Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Oh, it's Tuesday, and what a beautiful day it is here in New Jersey. I don't know if it's so beautiful in the rest of the country because, uh, quite honestly, I've heard some tornado activity and other things. And, you know, one thing we have to realize is that the weather can change, especially if you're in the Midwest, right? And like in Missouri or Kansas, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes and it'll change. So, you know, a lot of it is just making sure that your dog uh, always has access to either a very secure building that will be uh, a little bit cool for him, or in the winter, obviously, we want him to be warmer. And make sure that he has access to plenty of clean water at any time, because if they don't have access to clean water, you know, obviously they can have some uh, health issues, especially in this heat. Now, I know a lot of people are looking at and saying, you know, oh, it's not hot, it's, you know, it's 70 degrees out. But if you keep your, your car door uh, locked and your windows up, you're, that can be over 100 degrees well over 100 degrees in with about 10 or 15 minutes. So, again, you really want to make sure that, you know, you're being smart for your dog. Remember, he's counting on you to take care of him or she is counting on her to take care of her. You always have to make sure that the, uh, you know, that it makes sense for the dog and that the dog is going to be safe and secure and, uh, you know, going to be uh in, in, a good, in good hands with you, you know. So just please make sure you're careful because, unfortunately, I get to see this pretty often where people, you see these uh, Facebook and other social media, and you see that it says, you know, they just found a dog and the dog was abandoned in the heat or in the cold and the dog is missing ear tips or the dog is passed out. We just want to make sure, no matter what we do, that, that our dogs are safe and secure and that they're able to, you know, be what they're supposed to be and be healthy. So, all right, well, let's go into some other things for today. Uh, Merlin's Kids has uh, rescued three dogs this week. We're pulling three dogs. One's coming from California. He's a sweetheart. And two, I know you guys are going to be surprised, Labradoodle from down south. Um, One of them had uh, been uh, very fearful. It was an F2 generation which, uh, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the designer disasters, designer breeds. Not that I fault anybody other than the people who who are creating things without any reverence generally to what will happen to them or what will uh, be affecting them. But it's, uh, the one is an F1 generation, and it's just a you know, knucklehead kind of a little out of control, barks at everything, but good dog, very good dog. Um, and that's an F1 Labradoodle. The other one is an F2, the half-sister. And what that means is it's uh, a mixture uh, times a mixture. So that would be like if you were trying to make these look the same, you would keep breeding them to each other until they finally, uh, you know, had, uh, you know, this uh, combination of, uh, of genes and they would somewhat look the same. Well, what happens, though, is when you mess with genetics, sometimes that genetics is going to mess with your back. And uh, so this poor dog is genetically fearful. Now, that doesn't mean she has to be genetically aggressive, but she's 
definitely genetically a fearful dog compared to her half-sister who is, uh, or I guess cousin maybe, who is, um, you know, a poodle times a, a Labrador retriever. So this is what I talk about, though, in my book, Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101, which you can get on Amazon. When I talk about all of the different aspects of, you know, what happens with a dog and, and how does this impact its behavior, well, this is a prime example of why I feel the way I do. You know, I'm not looking to, to, uh, to tell people how they should be breeding purebred dogs other than please just make them as strong and healthy and close to standard and live as long and have the best health that you possibly can. But when we start with people who are really just breeding just to make money, and not that there's anything wrong with making money, but the problem is that you have these dogs that are being bred, and, you know, you, I told the, the family, I said, can you call this quote-unquote breeder? They called the breeder. The breeder's out of business. Well, why am I not surprised by that? Well, of course they're out of business because they're they're just doing it for the money. So they breed for a few years, and who cares? You know, they don't care if they wind up having, you know, a dog who, who is, uh, you know, uh, got behavior problems. They're already done. They're not even breeding dogs anymore. And these people bought the dog three or four years ago. People are already out of business. And it's not that it was an old person either. It was just somebody who was trying to make money and thought it was a great idea to, you know, breed these mixed-breed dogs. So this poor dog um, is genetically fearful, and we can definitely use that to our advantage. We'll be able to rehabilitate much of that fear. The dog will never be a a supermodel, super-confident kind of dog. Um, The confirmation's not too great either, but it'll be a great dog for somebody. We'll just keep it away from, you know, people who have a weaker energy like a child, special needs children or children in general. But it can still be a great dog for somebody. The problem is that dog was supposed to be euthanized last Monday. And I happened to go down there and find the dog and work with the family who had the dog. Um, And then the dog, uh, you know, just because of a previous bite on a neighbor, the dog ended up uh, in quarantine anyway. So all of the hard work we put in, uh, even though the dog is perfect now and probably will never do anything again, um, you know, she's already, you know, abandoned basically. And that's where, you know, we have a problem where we, you know, we say, you know, Janice, why do you, why do you not like some of these designer breeds or any of them? Well, that's why, because it's the dogs who always pay the price. The dogs are the ones, unfortunately, who have to, you know, pay that ultimate price and have to, uh, you know, unfortunately pay with their lives sometimes. So, you know, a lot of it, it really does um, come to terms with the fact that people try to make money in any way they can. And if you have somebody who is not a legitimate licensed or reputable show breeder, they're probably just in it for the money. So we're going to talk a little bit more about genetics and how can it affect your rescue dog? What, no matter what combination of breeds or pure breed it is, we will be right back. Stay tuned. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. 
helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com. Order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dogs with Janice Wolf. Well, we're going to talk about some genetics today. Now, you might say, well, I have a mixed breed dog. I don't have to worry about genetics. But yeah, you do because there's so much that we can all learn about what a dog is and about what the dog's background was. So, for instance, if your dog has, let's say, German Shepherd and Mastiff and, and Chihuahua in it, and yes, I've seen some pretty crazy combinations, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be the best dog in the world, but it just means that because he has a bit of dominant breed and he also has uh, a bit of a breed who is uh, potentially quite fearful, that he could be, not that he will be, but he could be or could exhibit some fearful or fearful uh, aggressive behaviors. That doesn't mean he's not going to be the best dog in the world. Don't get me wrong on this, okay? What I'm saying is the likelihood of your getting a dog who has some kind of behavioral issues when you combine breeds that, let's say, a very dominant breed with a very timid or fearful breed, we tend to get dogs that have the uh, behaviors and the characteristics of both parents of both types of breeds. So let's go through a little bit about the different types of breeds and and what we could expect. Now let's say we've got a, a standard poodle. So let's say we're taking a poodle, and poodles are dominant, not aggressive, but dominant. And that just means that they're a, a very confident dog that is not afraid to you know, to go hunting or working or doing whatever it's got to do. Really, honestly, I've, I've done very few purebred poodles. I mean, out of 25 or 26,000 dogs, um, I've done probably fewer than 20 purebred poodles, uh, large standard poodles, little ones I've done tons of. But that's because they're a really good breed. They're around for a very long time. They were designed um, and bred to... Uh, to uh, retrieve things and to work, and the reason they have all those little poofs on them is so that they can go into the water, like Portuguese water dogs as well, and they, uh, the poofs of hair that are meant to stay there are over the kidneys, the joints, and the areas to keep those joints warm and protected as the dog is working. So if you take a poodle who's kind of dominant, you know, a confident dog, 
and then you combine them with a lab or a golden or whatever else you want to combine, a cocker spaniel, whatever, who's kind of, you know, knucklehead, kind of goofy dog, takes a long time to to uh, actually, you know, mature relative to, you know, certain other breeds and combinations of breeds. Now you have a dog who not only is kind of a goofball, but he's also potentially dominant. That's where we get into combining DNA. It's a very funny thing. So if we combine the DNA and we take a lab and a poodle or a golden and a poodle and combine them, that F1 or first filial, F-I-L-I-A-L, filial generation is a, is a good, strong dog. Typically, nearly any mix, if it's a purebred with a purebred, is going to be uh, a very good dog. And the uh, only time we tend to have problems is when we're breeding them intentionally uh, to make them something that they're not. Uh, so if we breed, let's say, a mix to a mix, you'll have a much greater tendency to have issues than you would if you bred a purebred to a purebred. Now, when we were kids, we most of us, you know, a lot of us had mutts. I happen to have Scottish Terriers, but um, a lot of my friends had just, you know, good old mutts, just regular good old dog that, you know, it's a great dog, and the father was, you know, a shepherd, and the mom was a lab, and they were just good dogs. They didn't do anything wrong. They were nice and stable. Well, this is fine because that's what we call hybrid vigor, V-I-G-O-R, vigor. So hybrid vigor means that the, the offspring tend to exhibit greater health and a better temper and better overall than uh, the purebreds. However, the F2 or second filial generation, or some of these yahoos want to uh, be breeders say, an F1B, it doesn't matter. If it's not a purebred times a purebred, you're still going to have the same problems. You may have a little fewer, slightly fewer, but you're still going to have the same basic problems. And my good friend, Dr. Temple Grandin, um, actually gave me a project uh, to look at purpose-bred dogs, which were going to be service dogs, like the Lab Golden mixes that they're using, and some, I've seen some really crazy combinations of dogs out there. Um, and a lot of them have great temperaments, or they're great at working. But if you look at the confirmation, the dogs would never make it in a show ring. Now, why does that matter? Because you don't want to have a double hip replacement on your dog when it's five years old. You don't want to have it have cancer at four or five years of age. You don't certainly want it to be sick for its whole life. And you don't want it to have temperament issues and aggression. So there are a lot of other things at play, and this is what the problem is. People, in, even in the show ring sometimes, will just breed to the dog du jour, whoever the, the number one dog is, which sometimes can mean as little as somebody who had the most money. Uh, whoever has the most money, you know, is, it tends to have the, you know, the top handlers and all that. But, but some of the dogs, you know, really are a problem. And they breed them, and people don't care. I, I've never bred to a dog that I haven't watched that dog and known that dog and known some of his offspring and known some of his siblings and seen the parents and, and know the breeder who bred that dog and, ha and know everything genetically that's wrong with that dog. So that's just me, okay? And that's most of us, which we call ourselves hobby breeders. We're the ones who are keeping the breeds pure, we're not puppy mills having, you know, 
20 or 30 or 40 litters in a year. Uh, we maybe have one or two or three litters a year, and we're always out there showing, and we know who we are. And we're doing a great job because we love the breed. We're the fanciers of the breed. Then you have people who go, just are, are basically, even with a purebred dog, they're just breeding to make money. They're not breeding to better the breed. When I breed dogs, and I've not bred like my Wispa D Bunny dog, who is absolutely a gorgeous, gorgeous dog, I have never bred her. Why have I not bred her? Well, she's gorgeous. She's a grand champion. She's one, if not the smartest dog, maybe her mom, Willow, and Wyatt's mom, Willow might be. But I just haven't found the right dog. And she's perfect. I mean, she's just a perfect package. She's got a gorgeous head and neck and top line and beautiful tail and perfect ridge, perfect weight, gorgeous front, beautiful angles, not over-angulated, not under-angulated. She's just beautiful. But I haven't found the perfect stud dog for her to make puppies with. And I had the same thing with Angel, and I never bred Angel. Angel passed over the Rainbow Bridge about two years ago at age 15, and she was gorgeous. But I could never find the dog I thought would complement her, as beautiful as she was, and dual champion and all that, U.S. and Canada, and uh, dual champion, field champion as well. So when you have a hobby breeder, you have somebody who loves the breed, they're going to breed to make their breed better not to make money, because believe me, there are not too many hobby breeders who make money. I know I don't. It's so expensive. It can cost you twenty-five or $30,000 in one year just just to finish a champion dog or campaign them. I mean, my dogs finish championships super quick in a matter of a few weeks generally, but still it's the you know the same kind of issue that you have to make sure that... You know, you do the right thing for the right reason. So we're going to talk a little bit more in a moment about how mixes mix together. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be healthy goo healthy. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about genetics and how the genetics combine and what some good combinations are to look for. If you think about a dog like a greyhound, Greyhounds are definitely one of my favorite breeds. I love sight hounds. I love all hounds. Give me uh, saggy eyes and droopy ears, and I'm just happy. Well, probably not on a guy, but I'm definitely happy to look at those sad eyes of a Beagle-Bassett mix or like my good friend Pam has, um, little Mona Lisa, and, you know, the Ridgebacks. They have the beautiful, deep, 
drawing eyes and the beautiful, beautiful long ears and just so bright. And You know, you look at bloodhounds and uh, salukis, but I love, I'm telling you, I love greyhounds. And somebody not that long ago had asked me about what, it, how to make it a greyhound into a service dog. And I said, well, the problem with a greyhound is they're very soft. They're very soft dogs. People think that they're very tough. They think they're, you know, going to be fighters because they're, you know, obviously racing. They're just chasing the bunny. That's why they uh, wear muzzles so they don't catch the bunny or they don't grab at each other. But it's rare. Greyhounds are very gentle, very soft, but they can be fearful. I tend to see a lot of greyhounds. Remember, nobody ever calls me and says, hey, Janice, I got the best dog in the world. Can you come visit? Never heard of it. It won't happen. So what happens, though, is in those moments where you have the dog who is, let's say, a greyhound mix, and let's say it's a greyhound mixed with, oh, oh, let's say uh, a pit bull. That would be an interesting, I actually know a couple of them there. Well, you could get the calm disposition of the greyhound and the fun goofiness of a pit bull, but just remember you can also get the timidness of the greyhound and the dominance of the pit bull, and then you would have a dog who might not be the best dog in the world for you. So you really have to think about it. Now, granted, it doesn't really matter. My little Lexi who's lying here, in my studio on the couch, a uh, very expensive couch that she's just stretched across as much as she can with uh, six, seven of my ridgebacks. And, you know, I look at her, and I have no idea what she is. Definitely got a little ridgeback. She's ridgeback collar. She's got the length of hair of a lab. She's got definitely a double coat, like an undercoat. So she sheds more than all my other 18 big 100-pound dogs. And she's definitely got some pug and a little beagle and probably got some min pin, maybe a little shiba. You know, you could just look at her and find anything in her. I'd love to do a DNA on her. It'll probably come back as 1% of everything because that's what she looks like. But she's a sweetheart. Now, when I got her, she was extremely fearful. She was so fearful. She just didn't trust anybody. You couldn't pick her up. She would just, like, squeeze down into the floor and just as if she had been abused, and it was really sad. Well, if I had kept treating her like she was abused, and if I had kept kind of keeping her in the past, she would have stayed in the past. And if a dog stays in its past, how do you expect it to get past its past? Well, the answer is it can't get past its past unless you take it into the future. So in other words... When you're looking at a dog and you say, oh, no, this dog was probably abused. Oh, you know, the dog probably had all kinds of problems and, oh, somebody was mean to him. And, you know, that might have actually been what happened or it might not. But the problem is if you treat that dog like it was abused, if you treat the dog in a way that you're kind of almost assuming that the dog was treated, was abused, you're actually keeping your dog in the past. We don't want to keep a fearful or dominant or problematic dog or any kind of dog in its past. That would be like if you had to live with whoever you hated most in your life and you couldn't get away from them. It's not healthy. So what we need to do for our dogs is to have them living in the, in the here and now and for today and tomorrow. 
if we keep our dogs living in the past, how do we expect our dogs to ever have a good future? So this is where we want to kind of talk about what do you do when you have a dog who, let's say you have uh, a dog who's he's just a really great dog, but he's definitely fearful. Well, do you want to keep him fearful? Well, I hope not. So if you keep treating him like he was abused or keep treating him like he's different, you're going to keep him different. We want to take that dog and assume that, hey, he grew up in Oprah Winfrey's house. He grew up in Ellen DeGeneres' house. That's who I want to meet is Ellen DeGeneres. She's a great lady, loves animals, loves kids. Ellen, if you're listening, I'd love to be on your show. I love Kathy Lee and Hoda. I was lucky enough to be on their show for uh, several segments, and Wyatt and I had a lot of fun teaching them about service dogs for autistic children. But, you know, you take somebody who you know is going to be good to their animals. Think about it. Pretend that your dog came from Ellen's house or Oprah's house or Mary Tyler Moore's house or Loretta Swit's house, somebody who you know would take really, really good care of them and assume that that's who had them before you. Don't assume the worst. It may be true. It may have been that your dog was abused, and certainly there are too many dogs who are abused. But, you know, the problem is if you keep that dog in the past, you're going to forever condemn him or her to live a life in the past. And we don't want to do that. We want our dogs to be confident because we are taking care of things. Remember, if you're in charge and you are the best parent or the best mentor or the best leader in the whole wide world, why would your dog be afraid? He'd be happy as a clam because he wouldn't have to provide for himself. He wouldn't have to protect himself. So assume that your rescue dog came from a great place before and treat him like that so that he will be the happiest dog and the best dog in the world. Well, stay tuned. We will be right back in a moment. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we are talking about a lot of things right now pertaining to rescue dogs. And the reason I want people to think about this is it's a big decision when you decide to get a new dog. And sometimes you might have a dog, and your dog is not the best dog in the world, and you want to go get another dog. Well, there's a little bit of an issue with that, because remember, if you have a problem with one dog, don't assume that the second dog is going to fix that problem. That second dog might add to the problem. 
So if you're not pretty much 100% sure that that dog is going to get along with the rest of the group, it's probably not a great idea. Now, how do you temperament test? Well, that's where you have someone from uh, my company, United Canine Professionals, uh, come in and work with you, and then we would work with your first or second, whichever dogs you have currently in your house, and then we would help you to choose that other dog. And, you know, we're pretty objective, you got to admit, because we don't want you to have a problem. Unfortunately, I see this all the time. Somebody has, especially, oh, our dog is 8 or 9 or 10, and, you know, we don't want to lose them, so we want to get another dog now. Totally understand it, totally on the same page. The problem is, if you have a dog who's 9 years old and who's starting to slow down, or even if he's not slowing down, within a year or two, he's probably going to be slowing down. And if he slows down, and now you've got a knucklehead puppy who's just beating him up and running after him and, you know, doing all that, chances are that he's not going to be real happy about it. So why would you want to get another dog to harass your your current dog? Now, like I said, it doesn't happen in every circumstance, in every situation. But it is super important for everybody to realize that you owe your dog, your current dog, Uh, as well as your family. So I understand you're going to be sad. I totally understand that. But you really need to make sure that you're, you know, being fair to not not only your kids and your husband or wife, but that you're being fair to your current dog. So if you have a dog who's starting to be in failing health, even though it's going to be a lot easier on you to have another dog, although I don't think it ever gets easier, even if you have 20 dogs, losing one is still horrible. It's like having 10 children and you lose one of the children. Having nine others doesn't make it better. It's just that, you know, you're able to focus on other things. But the problem is that when a dog gets a little older, they might get snappy. They might be in pain. A puppy, a new young puppy might come up and step on that dog or challenge that dog or bite that dog or annoy that dog to the point where the dog itself, the older dog, has to feel like it, it's protecting itself. So we don't want to make that older dog be uncomfortable in his own home. Now, if you have a kind of dog, or if your dog is five, six, seven years old, and you feel like, you know, we want to get another dog, we just love having one, we'll love having two, just remember, like kids, having one is a whole lot easier than having two. And once you get over, like, 15 or 16, it doesn't matter. I think once you get over like four or five, it just doesn't matter if you have an extra one or two or ten because they they take care of themselves and each other. And that's another piece of this. I've had people tell me, because I've had certainly up to 22 dogs in my at my farm. Uh, you'd never know it. I'm actually in the studio right now with, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dogs now, including little Lexi. So you don't hear anything because they're all sleeping. Why are they sleeping? Because I'm in charge. They know that when I'm here, they're safe and they can just go, well, be a dog and just go lie down or sit down or whatever they want to do because there's no job for them because I'm in charge. But what happens sometimes is, you know, when you only have two and the people who have two and you get a third, three's a crowd and you oftentimes get the two younger dogs who will be playing, who might gang up on the older dog, or one of the dogs gangs up on the other dog. So be really aware um, and, and check with a professional from UnitedK9Professionals.com. You can call us at 855, the number 4, the letter K, 
the number nine pros, P-R-O-S. Uh, it's 855-4K9-PROS, which is 855-459-7767. And we will help you by phone. You can also get a copy of my book, which will be hugely helpful to you. It's called Shh Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101. And it's a really wonderful book for you to be able to understand how dogs think and why dogs do what they do, because after all, dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs, just like humans do what humans do because they're humans. So if we're going to get a new dog and we're thinking, well, gee, this is a great idea, uh, it's probably a good idea not to get a big, goofy puppy uh, if you have an older dog, unless it's a very well-behaved dog from uh, a very good breeder who spent a lot of time on it. Uh, my little puppies are 13 weeks, uh, a little over 13 weeks today. They got their their penultimate shot, the, not their last one, but the one before their last. And uh, so they've got all their shots. And the veterinarians who have taken care of my dogs for 30 years, they all always say the same thing. Your dogs are the best-behaved dogs. They never cry. They never whine. They're truly, all of them, every single one of them that you bring us is amazing. Well, if you took a puppy like that I've been spending 14 weeks by the time you get the puppy, um, and I've spent 14 weeks of my time, yeah, they are the best dogs in the world. No, you're not going to have any issues. No, they're not going to be aggressive. No, they're not going to be fearful. No, they're not going to be thin. No, they're not going to be fat. They're going to be perfect and super well-behaved. And the reason that I put in all that time is because when I have somebody who buys a puppy from me or who gets one as a service dog, I'm going to be in touch with that person quite a bit. And one of the things I don't want is for somebody to be talking to me every week and complaining about a dog. So, you know, you can understand I put a lot of time into it because I am a legitimate breeder because I am the one who spends a lot of time on this, and I do want everybody to be happy. But when you go and you just get a puppy in a pet store, you know, nobody put time into it. They, heck, they let them go at five or five and a half weeks of age. They shouldn't even be away from their mother yet. And, you know, that's another thing. People say, oh, you know, I get to get my puppy at six weeks. Well, that's not healthy. Forget about the dog being barely weaned, because... My bitches don't even wean until they're a little over five weeks, and they're still, you know, producing milk and still nursing them. It's just that they're also eating, drinking a little bit of their own uh, formula and a little bit of uh, soaked kibble or, or baby food or the organic chicken I make for my other guys. But the problem is that until they're 12 weeks of age, so if you think about it, from 8 to 12 weeks of age, is an age where it's a seniority classification period. That means that they're learning their manners. So between 8 and 12 weeks, they're learning their manners. Well, isn't that what we all want, a well-behaved dog that has good manners? Well, I think so. That's what I think most people want. They don't want an obedience title dog like the amazing Dillinger, Rambo's John Dillinger, who's got so many titles, I, I can't even... I can't even uh, recite them all, Wyatt's brother, Wyatt Wispa, Brandy and Sedona's brother, and Prince's brother, um, he's an amazing obedience champion. I mean, off the wall. Like number one in a whole bunch of different categories for a lot of different uh, things. And it's, it's very impressive. But most people just want the dog to 
to be a good, well-mannered dog that listens, that comes when it's called, that doesn't get into things, that's not a trouble. And that's all most people really want. So why is it that people are so focused on making a dog sit or lie down when what they really want is just to not have to tell the dog anything? And that's what I get to do in my life. I just can enjoy my dogs. I don't have to worry about them, and they're just the best dogs in the world. So we'll be right back in a moment with a little bit more about getting a rescue dog. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H dot com. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolfe. Well, we're talking about the different things that can happen when you get a rescue dog. And listen, I love my rescue dogs. They're already there. They're, if anything, there's a small adoption fee. You can get any cool look you want. You don't have to wonder about what it's going to be like. And, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, well, I want a puppy so I can, I can train it from the beginning. Okay, like you're, like you're the best trainer in the whole world. You're a financial planner. You're a nurse. What do you know about dog training? You might have trained, you know, 10 dogs in your life or five dogs. They might have been the best dogs in the world. I've done 25, 26,000 dogs. I know more than you. I'm sorry. Please don't think that you are going to, like, the 4 million dogs being euthanized every year. Those are 4 million people who thought that they were the best dog trainer in the world. I'm going to fix this dog. I'm going to get a puppy, and I'm going to train it because I can do anything I decide I can do. Well, guess what? If you can't sew and you stink at sewing, you know what? You can always, you know, go buy clothing in a store. If you stink at baking and, you know, you try it and you're not good at it, you can always go to a bakery and go buy it. If you're a terrible cook, you can always go out and get these beautiful prepared meals at wonderful places that have you know, prepared meals that you can pretend are yours. But when you mess up a dog, that dog is going to go to a shelter potentially and die or be given up or live in a crate for the rest of its life or live away from everybody or you're going to become a 4 a.m.er, meaning that you're going to get up at 4 in the morning before all the joggers get up because your dog is either people aggressive or dog aggressive. So really, is that a good idea at all? No, it's not. Get some help with your puppy and get some help doing what you should be doing for your dog. I had a wonderful, wonderful lady call me today, and I've got a hike down to Cape May, New Jersey, which is 
really a, a pretty far place if you've never been there from where I live. But what really blew my mind was this lady said, she said, you know, I've had German Shepherds. I, this has been German Shepherd Week again. I've had German Shepherds before. This one isn't the same. And I know I can train the dog, but I know I need a behaviorist. And I appreciate her because she's not assuming that she knows everything in the whole world. And this is a very intelligent woman, too. So I appreciate that. I appreciate somebody who is, uh, you know, who's uh, doing this, doing things for, uh, you know, and helping out. But, you know, she doesn't know, you know, everything. Nobody can know everything. And so she asked for my help. And, yes, I'm going to drive down two and a half hours, maybe three, to go help her out. Because I don't want her dog, who is six months old and already has some pretty serious behavioral issues and is chasing people down the block at six months, I don't want that dog to be one of those four million dogs who's euthanized every year. Not that she would give the dog up, but, you know, let's face it, when a dog bites somebody, you know, you give up your whole all your rights. It's, you know, not your decision anymore. You know, it's a judge's decision or the animal control officers, most of whom are really, uh, well, I'll leave that alone. But they're, they're, they're not the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. And maybe they went into this because of good reasons initially, but they really, uh, I've seen so many. I mean, anybody who can just stick a dog in an oven in a, in a gas chamber or just do a heart stick and kill the dog by sticking a, a needle into its heart, I mean, or, or worse, if you can imagine, that, I, I'm sorry, that those are not people with a heart. I don't care if that's your job, well, great, get another job. You know, um, but it's really important that that we do the best for these dogs, and we understand when we have a dog to make sure that we do the best by that dog. Make sure that that dog has everything the best. He should have the best food. Um, I've told you guys uh, different foods to avoid. We'll go back into that again in the future. You should be avoiding certain foods like corn, wheat, soy. There are a whole bunch of others. Get my book. Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101 on Amazon. And uh, you can read all about that because it's a very, very important aspect. But also, get the best vitamins. And I've got right here, if I want to drive my dogs crazy, here's my new vet vitamins. Oh, now they're all awake. They love these things. They're like, uh, like we call them doggy crack. They have all kinds of amazing vitamins and minerals. I've been using them for oh, I think about 13 years or, or more. And my dogs, my Ridgebacks, my last three that I lost, lived to 15, which was Angel, 15 and a half, which was Tara, and just a few days short of 16, which was Sunka. And, they're, you know, they're just the best dogs in the world, but these vitamins are amazing. It's just an incredible supplement. They're called NuVet, N-U-V-E-T dot com, NuVet Plus Wafers for Dogs. They also make... The powder for cats, I make a powder you can also use for puppies. Um, and, you know, they're, they're terrific, terrific vitamins. And if you need a, an order code in order to, you know, to purchase them, um, they don't sell to the general public or they don't sell on the shelves of the box stores or anything. They only go through breeders, uh, groomers, veterinarians, and uh, rescues. And uh, you can use the code 40560. That's 40560, and you can order those, and you can get them on auto ship, so you save 15%, which is, 
which for one dog maybe isn't a big deal, but with all of my packs, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's like a whole bunch of free dogs every day. So that's what I use. But, you know, you give your dogs the best, and, and you give them the best not because you're trying to get something from them, but because what we want to give to them. And it's so important to keep them healthy. Depends on the breed. Uh, some dogs have allergies or itching or hot spots or, you know, different kind of infections or ear, ear infections and things like that. And those vitamins are amazing. So I give all my dogs, no matter if they're, you know, rescues or if they're my, you know, super-duper expensive show dogs, they all get the same. They all deserve the best. Every single one of my dogs eats like a king because they all grew up in Ellen's house and Oprah's house and Mary Tyler Moore's house. They grew up with people who love them. We have to think that because otherwise we're condemning them to live in the past. So let's talk a little bit more about how do you, let's say you get a dog and, you know, how do you know if that's okay and what happens when you start noticing problems? Do you bring the dog back to the rescue? Well, no, don't bring the dog back to the rescue. You can call our 800 number, 855-4K9-PROS, which is 855-459-7767, and we will help you. You can also go on the contact and lead form on our website, www.unitedk9professionals.com. Dot com United K, the letter K, the number nine, professionals.com. And there is an area there where you can fill out a request and we will help you. And we'll be happy to give you a free behavioral consultation by phone. Why do we do that? Because we don't want the dog to be euthanized. We don't want you to not have hope and not know what to do and not know where to turn. We want you to be able to have help for your dog, to be able to know that you're safe and that the dog is safe and that you can, you know, you can just help, have that help that you need. We don't want you to have that choice of euthanizing your dog or not. That's a terrible choice. And it's something that you'll never, ever, ever forget. You know, you do, people do things in life and we try to get away with it and forget about it. But, you know, if you take a life, even though it, maybe it was a dog that you didn't have a choice because the animal control is going to, you know, do whatever, you know, let somebody sue you. All right, so sue me. If your child hit somebody and, and accidentally harmed them seriously, would you just give your kid up? No, you would fight for your child. You would get behind your child and say, hey, honey, I'm here for you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you because I love you and I made a commitment to you and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to protect you forever. Remember, dogs aren't for a gift. They're not for a year. They're not for an occasion. Dogs are a commitment for up to 15, 18, 19, 20 years. So if you don't want that commitment, then please don't make it in the first place. But don't get a second dog that might not fit in with your first one. And think ahead, you know, not today, but think ahead in the future. When you have somebody who's 60 years old and who says, you know, uh, I want to get a couple dogs, I'm going to retire, and then you move into an over-65 or an over-55 community, and all of a sudden they say, oh, you know, I know you love this place, but oh, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to have your dog here because we have an under-25-pound rule. Why would you buy that place? I would never buy a place that wouldn't allow me 
uh, to have my dogs. And I have a lot of dogs. That's why I buy big farms, because I don't have to have neighbors, especially the ones I got here. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's just one of those things that it really boils down to character and integrity and commitment. And unfortunately, there are 4 million dogs every year who had owners who lacked the integrity, lacked the commitment, and lacked the intestinal fortitude to just say, listen, I'm not giving up on my dog. Because especially if you had that dog from a puppy, nobody's going to love that puppy like you did because that's the cutest thing. I mean, when you have a dog from a puppy, not that you won't love an adult dog because I certainly adore my adult rescues as well, but if you have a dog who's, you know, a, a little older or, you know, more than a year old, you know, what do you think people are going to go, oh, yeah, I'm just dying to find an eight-year-old dog. And think about your poor dog. One day he's in front of your fireplace. He's laying on a nice carpeted, beautiful, thick rug, laying on your bed, and the next morning he just gets dumped into a cold, dark, dank shelter. Or worse, he gets turned out and he's got to fend for himself. I mean, I don't know who can do that, but there are four million among us who who have done that every year. And I hope that they don't get another dog because it seems like it doesn't matter unless we catch you on a list, you know, there's too many people out there who've done this already. So anyway, uh, I'm getting off on my, my rant, which I love to do, but it is a Tuesday, and it is from shelter dog to service dog, and we appreciate your being here. Please check out the book at www.unitedk9professionals.com. Call us at 855 855- Four four nine. I'm sorry. Four five nine seven seven six seven. And take care of your dog. Be smart. And we'll see you next week on From Shelter Dog to Service Dog. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. 